Welcome to episode 196 of This Week in Linux, recorded live on April 30th, 2022. I'm Michael Tunnell, and this is a Tux Digital podcast. If you're new to the show, this is the podcast that will keep you up to date with what's going on in the Linux world, and I'll give you my take as a 20-year-plus Linux user. On this week's episode, we've got some distro news, app news, mobile news, and even a little bit of gaming news to cover. All this and so much more are coming up right now on your weekly source for Linux. Good news. This episode of This Week in Linux is sponsored by DigitalOcean and by Bitwarden. Before we get started with the show today, I'm so excited to tell you about the changes that are happening to the network. The Destination Linux network is now Tux Digital. You noticed that I said it's a Tux Digital podcast earlier. You can get all the same awesome content that you know and love, but we're also growing the network to bigger and better things. So go to tuxdigital.com to describe to subscribe to all the sh- describe the shows. Yes, you need to describe the shows. You should subscribe to all the shows on whatever platform you want. And also, tuxdigital.com is the new home for all of our individual videos, not just our podcast, and so much more. I'm so excited about this change, and there is a lot left to come with the new tuxdigital.com. So be sure to bookmark the new website because all your things that you're, you love about the Destination Linux Network are going to be on Tux Digital and much more because Tux Digital is your destination for all things Linux. This week's episode, we've got a lot of distro news to cover. And first off, we're going to start with System76's Pop! OS 22.04 LTS as the latest stable and long-term supported release of their Linux distribution. It's based on Ubuntu 22.04 LTS, Jammy Jellyfish comes with an updated version of their Cosmic Desktop based on GNOME 42. If you'd like to learn more about all the improvements that come thanks to GNOME 42, check out episode 191 of This Week in Linux, where I covered it in depth. So I'll have that linked in the show notes. Pop! OS 2204 LTS is powered by the newer Linux kernel 5.16 instead of the 5.15 kernel that comes in Ubuntu 2204. And I appreciate newer kernels being used because of improved hardware support that they offer. But I am curious what the plan is for an LTS since this kernel version is already end of life. So we'll have to wait and see there, but I think it's really interesting that they're uh, going that approach. Uh, Pop! OS 22.04 also introduced new update schedule options. You can set your preferences in the settings app for the OS upgrade and recovery panel, and you can choose the schedule updates in a various ways in even going to specific as picking a particular date and time for the system to handle the updates, which is pretty cool. Pop! OS 22.04 also introduces a new support panel in the settings app. With this, users can get help with their system, find links to community chat, and also generate log files to help with troubleshooting. And there are many other changes in this release, including performance improvements and enhancements to the Pop! Shop, but there were two things that that really piqued my interest. First of all is the support for Nix packages. Nix is a cross-platform package manager that utilizes a purely functional deployment model where software is installed into unique directories generated through cryptographic hashes. This is rather interesting because this is not a commonly supported package format in most distributions. I think it's the first distro I've heard of announced support at this level outside of NixOS. I'm looking forward to trying this out myself, and if you'd like some more details on NixOS, then check out episode 178 of Twill, to learn more about that. The next thing I want to mention, and I was very excited to see this, was uh, the implementation of Pipewire by default. 
That's right. Pop OS 2204 defaults to Pipewire for audio processing. This is awesome to see because any software designed to work with Pulse Audio or Jack is compatible with Pipewire, which opens a lot of possibilities. System76 say that this change will open up the door for better audio quality control and customization going forward. I was rather disappointed when Ubuntu 2204 came out and without support for Pipewire because it meant that Ubuntu World would be waiting quite a while to experience Pipewire, maybe even two years for those who upgrade from LTS to LTS. So this is great news to see that Pop! OS is using Pipewire by default, and that's just awesome. And I hope to see it being adopted by every distro as soon as possible because having pro audio functionality without little or maybe I guess no hassle in some cases is just fantastic. I've been using Pipewire on Fedora for quite some time and going back to Pulse Audio feels like going back in time a little. Maybe I should make a video to demonstrate like why I'm such a fan of Pipewire. Let me know in the comments below if you'd like to see a video on that. And I look forward to playing around with Pop! OS 2204 and if you'd like to give it a try or learn more, Links in the show notes. Speaking of Ubuntu-based distros, there are a lot of distros based on Ubuntu. There are the flavors, of course, which are officially sanctioned derivatives, and then there are remixes and just derivatives. This topic is a bit complicated, and I'm working on a video to break it down as to what these terms mean, as well as forks, spins, respins, and others, so be sure to subscribe to the channel for that video. But for now, let's talk about some remixes that recently had a release we're going to be talking about Ubuntu Unity and Ubuntu Cinnamon. So first up is Ubuntu Unity, and is, you guessed it, a remix of Ubuntu with the Unity desktop environment. That was discontinued by Canonical in 2017. There was still a bit of continued development for maintenance with the 2016 LTS, but we are past that period, so this remix is still being developed is pretty interesting to me. The remix comes with old Unity 7 goodies like the HUD, Global Menu, and you can also use a lot of other things that a lot of people were big fans of Unity back in the day. With this latest release, Ubuntu Unity 2204, most of the GNOME-based accessory apps have been replaced with Mate equivalents such as the Pluma text editor, the Atrial document viewer, and there are still a little bit of handful of GNOME apps that are still being used such as the GNOME system monitor rather than the Mate one, but there's not a ton of those and they're kind of, like difference between some of them are kind of trivial. But the System Settings app is the original Unity one, and the Unity Tweaks app also come pre-installed. Although the Ubuntu Unity Remix um, file manager is being is the Nemo file manager from Linux Mint, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, Ubuntu Unity also has support for Flatpak snaps and, of course, dev files. And to do this, they're using GNOME software instead of Ubuntu's software app. I'm intrigued by Ubuntu Unity, as I used to be a big fan of the Unity desktop environment. Unity was a very impressive desktop environment back in the day, so I'm very interested in trying out this remix pretty soon. And I'm actually surprised that they were able to make a 2204 version of a Unity desktop remix, so I look forward to checking that out. Also, another remix that I wanted to talk about is the Ubuntu Cinnamon remix. The Ubuntu Cinnamon remix is combining Linux Mint's desktop environment that's called Cinnamon with the Ubuntu core. You can imagine this as Linux Mint, but more closely to the core of Ubuntu. There are some pros and cons to this, and Ubuntu Cinnamon is still in fairly early stages of development, but it is certainly interesting to see where this goes, because I think there are a lot of cool things about Cinnamon, and for those that want a closer connection to Ubuntu base, this might be the way to go when they get closer and closer to uh, you know more production-ready kind of stuff. 
this I still think that Ubuntu Cinnamon needs to release a special edition called Cinnabuntu, but maybe that's just me though. If you'd like to learn more about Ubuntu Unity Remix or the Ubuntu Cinnamon Remix, you can find links in the show notes. And if you'd like to know what I think about the latest Ubuntu release and the release of the Ubuntu flavors, then be sure to check out the next episode of Destination Linux as we're going to be doing a deep, deep dive into the latest Ubuntu 22.04 releases. So Canonical has announced that Ubuntu is going all in on Linux gaming. You know, Valve seems to be going into the direction of flat packs, as are many distros and projects these days. Valve is also shipping Flatpak support out of the box on the Steam Deck. However, there is another universal app format looking to get the attention of gamers, and that is Canonical's Snap. Canonical says they are going all in, like I said, on the gaming experience for Ubuntu. They've started building out a team dedicated to work on it, and part of this strategy is, pre- is reducing the need for PPAs, and now they're at- asking for testers to try out their new Steam Snap app. So it's still early days for the Steam Snap, so issues should be expected, but they did say they will be iterating quickly and will be responding to feedback on it. And you may be wondering, why should, should I, as a gamer, use this Steam Snap? Ubuntu says, and I quote, Snaps provide three key benefits that are relevant to Steam users. Firstly, they bundle dependencies. This means gamers don't have to go hunting through out-of-date documentation, adding PPAs for Mesa drivers or 32-bit libraries to get their games to work. It also means that Steam Snap will run on any distro that supports SnapD without hassle. Secondly, they are easy to update. You'll be getting the latest version of Steam that brings with the latest version of Proton on top of updates for any bundled dependencies. And this is happening automatically with no hassle. And finally, the third thing they say is snaps are sandbox. This means the games you're running don't have access to the rest of your system, keeping you safe and secure. Now, this is interesting because really quick, there are some issues I have with these statements because first they say that it it bundles dependencies. That's true. That is a nice benefit to have. But the second thing is that they say that it's easy to update. You'll be getting the latest version of Steam that brings the latest version of Proton and all that sort of stuff. But Steam updates itself already right now. So that doesn't really make any difference. So if you just use Steam, you're getting those updates anyway. Also saying that snaps are sandboxed. That's not necessarily true depending on what distribution you're using. On Ubuntu, yes, that's true. But on other distros, we talked about that in a previous episode. If you'd like to learn more, I have a link in the show notes. Uh, but they also say that they are already looking to, uh, into further future improvements for gaming experience, which is really cool. They say such as providing easy ways to get more bleeding edge components like Mesa drivers and even newer kernels and proprietary drivers. This is awesome to see. While the Steam Snap is not something that interests me personally, all that other stuff sounds great because the more distributions are working on getting gaming as best as it can be for the user, the better because that means the ecosystem will improve for gaming and that will be likely benefiting everyone regardless of distro. So I am happy to see that effort being done from Ubuntu. And we'll, if you would like to learn more about this, I'll have links in the show notes. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex, but standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. 
At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. And with DigitalOcean, you get predictable pricing, robust product docs, and services that developers love. That's DigitalOcean. And you can get support at every stage of growth, from teams of one person to teams of a thousand people. With simple, powerful cloud computing, you can get growing at DigitalOcean. And as a listener of the This Week in Linux podcast and a member of the Tux Digital community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's even better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash tux2022. That's do.co slash tux2022. So again, go get started with your free $100 credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform by going to do.co slash tux2022. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of This Week in Linux. Lineage OS is one of the best alternate ROMs available for Android devices, and it has been since its launch in 2016, after it was forked from CyanEngineMod. Lineage OS continues to improve, and this week there is a new release with Lineage, Lineage OS 19. So Lineage OS 19 is based on Android 12, and with that comes a lot of great improvements, including Material U customization features, which are pretty sweet, I will say, and also some new accessibility features. And thanks to all the hard work on the Android 11-based Lineage OS 18.1, the developers have been able to port their features to Android 12 much more efficiently and also add new features. And some of the ROM's popular additions like the built-in firewall, restricted networking mode, and app isolation are already part of the initial Android 12 builds. So beyond the move to Android 12, this release includes improvements to a lot of apps, a new setup wizard, and much more. There is a bit of an issue, though, for some people with older devices. This release has had to leave a lot of older devices behind. Uh, a, de a device that needs to use a 4.9 kernel or newer in order to be able to run Lineage OS 19. This is due to changes how networking works in AOSP. Instead of using Linux's IP tables, AOSP now has switched to eBPF, which is supposed to be more efficient. But if you have an older device that doesn't support it, then you might not be able to use the latest version of Lineage OS 19. If you'd like to learn more about Lineage OS or see if it supports your device, then check the link in the show notes. There's been a little bit of drama this week over the NTFS drivers that we discussed being added to the kernel in episode 163 of Twill. Back in 2020, file system driver provider Paragon Software announced they wanted to upstream their NTFS driver into the Linux kernel. This driver was previously a proprietary commercial offering from the company, but given the state of NTFS these days, they wanted to upstream this driver with full read and write support and other features not found within the existing NTFS driver at the time. Finally, last year, after going through many rounds of review, the new driver was merged into Linux 5.15. Sadly, though, there less than one year later, concerns have been raised that the driver has apparently been orphaned and not being maintained anymore by Paragon. So Paragon Software pledged to maintain this driver as part of submitting it to the upstream. Since it landed in Linux 5.15, there hasn't been any major updates to it, even with various fixes having been submitted by the community. One of the developers that contributed a number of the patches to the NTFS3 code during the review process, uh, Kari Argelander, sorry if I said that wrong, raised concerns this week over the state of this driver. Kari also noted he's been unable to get any response from the Paragon maintainer. 
So Linus Torvalds has commented on this subject, and I quote, If you're willing to maintain it and maybe find other like-minded people to help you, I think that would certainly be a thing to try, as Kari requested to be able to become a maintainer, or at least co-maintainer, for this driver. Uh, Linus goes on to say, and if we can find nobody that ends up caring and maintaining, then I guess we should remove it, rather than end up with two effectively unmaintained copies of NTFS drivers. Not that two unmained file systems are much worse than one. So that's, that's pretty funny. This would give uh, Kari the ability to manage pull requests from other developers should the original maintainer uh, not be able, to be, be able to do it and that sort of thing. This is unfortunately that Paragon has dropped the ball, but we'll have to wait and see if what happens next. Maybe they, this will get them to pay attention more. I'm not sure what caused them to not be doing the updates because it has been a little bit over. It's been, a, it's been many months since there's been an update from them about this. But if you want to be kept up to date on the world of Linux, be sure to subscribe to the show and go to tuxdigital.com slash subscribe for ways to subscribe to this show and all the other shows to be kept up to date on all things Linux. So I mentioned being kept up to date, and I often mentioned this in the show about I will do follow-ups and keep you informed on the topics that I cover in the show when there are updates. In some cases, there are updates within a few weeks or a few months, and sometimes there are occasions where it's been two and a half years between the times I discussed it, and that is what we're going to talk about today. Welcome to the wonderful blazing speed of the legal world. Back in episode 83... That's right, 83, we talked about a situation where Gnome was being sued by a company that, in my opinion, accurately represents the term patent troll rather well. In 2019, Rothschild Patent Imaging RPI, whatever, brought one of the first and probably the not the last uh, predatory uh, patent lawsuits against open source projects. RPI claimed that the Gnome Project Shotwell software infringed on patent number 9,936,086. A crowdfunding campaign started to battle this patent troll, in my opinion, raising over 150000 to defend against this claim. Ultimately, the Gnome Foundation settled with RPI and received a comprehensive and free-of-charge license to the patents for all open-source software, ending Gnome's challenge to the validity of the patent. At the time, this seemed kind of bittersweet because it meant Gnome won, but also that this patent troll in my opinion, was able to continue doing their trolling. So that's not great, but it is great that the open source approach was addressed. But I am glad to say we have a great update on this subject. A lawyer by the name of McCoy Smith challenged the validity of this patent by filing a re-examination proceeding against the patent. The U.S. Patent and Trademark Office has now canceled the patent entirely thanks to the effort of Mr. Smith. This is great news, but of course, this is legal news, so it's a bit more complicated than saying that only this patent, you know, was canceled, even though it's very likely there's it's that most, if not all, of the patents held by this company are worthless troll fuel. But this one in particular has been canceled, so that's great. And also, uh, fingers crossed that these awful software patents are abolished since they are ultimately worthless outside of these kinds of patent troll lawsuits. I mean, we already have copyright for the code itself, so patenting software is just ridiculous. If you'd like to learn more about this, I'll have links in the show notes. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com tux. Bitwarden is a password manager that allows you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. How does it do it? 
Well, Bitwarden provides you with a variety of different tools, such as a vault to be able to store all of your passwords in it, auto-generate passwords with an auto-generator, and also even automatically fill in passwords on login forms so you don't have to worry about any of this stuff. Plus, you can have access to, to your data across many different types of devices, whether your web browser extension or your mobile applications or desktop application or even on the command line. Plus, Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end -end encryption before it ever leaves your devices, so you know you're the only person with access to your data. So go to bitwarden.com tux to get started. And did I mention you can get started for free? Well, you can, but I also think you want to check out their premium account because there's a lot of great features that you get with that for less than a dollar per month. That's right, less than a dollar per month gets you one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator for temporary one-time passwords, party customer service, and so much more. Plus, they also introduced some new features with their applications, which is to be able to quickly and easily switch between accounts. So if you have a business account or and a personal account, you can easily switch back and forth without having to log out and log back in, which is just fantastic. That has saved me a lot of hassle since I implemented it. So thank you very much, Bitwarden, for doing that. So if you want to make the smart move like many of the community have, go to bitwarden.com tux to get started with your account. And thanks again to Bitwarden for sponsoring This Week in Linux. The Yocto project is an open source collaboration project that helps developers create custom Linux-based systems regardless of the hardware architecture. And this week, they announced the release of Yocto 4.0. The project provides a flexible set of tools and space where embedded developers worldwide can share technologies, software stacks, configurations, and best practices that can be used to create tailored Linux images for embedded in IoT devices, or anywhere a customized Linux OS is needed. Yocto 4.0 offers support for, ver for using the Linux 5.15 LTS kernel in builds as well as updated toolchain components. There are 300 other recipe upgrades too for various software. Yocto 4.0 also has various fixes and improvements for carrying out re reproducible builds, which is really cool. And this release also switches over from GZIP to Z standard for its shared state to provide better performance. If you'd like to learn more about Yocto project or this latest release of Yocto 4.0, links in the show notes. Let's talk about personal finance, a topic everyone loves. Actual is the name of the application, is a super fast, privacy-focused personal finance app for managing your finances. You own your data, and we will sync across all devices with optional end-to-end -end encryption, as they describe. So Actual is a local app, and your data is synced in the background, so all devices have access, but the app totally works regardless of your network connection. This also allows end-to-end -end encryption to keep your data private, which is very cool. Actual works with a variety of different bank account systems and also such as Plaid and also has sorts all sorts of reports, which is very important depending on what you need to check with your personal finances. You may be wondering, why is this a topic on the show? And that's a good question. And the answer to that question is that Actual Budget has gone open source. It is now 100% free and completely open and they say it will be forever. Actual will now let you self-host the server portion of the software and run it all on your own infrastructure. This news is kind of bittersweet, actually, because the reasoning for it is that the developer behind the project no longer can devote full-time development towards the project, so open sourcing is a way to keep the project active, even though the commercial portion of the software is ending. 
Now, I would much prefer to see software like this open source and still maintain a commercial version because there are people who this software sounds great for but aren't interested in running their own server to use it. So having a commercial, a commercial option for those people would be fantastic. However, I have been looking for a personal finance software for a long time that can automate my finances without having to go through a ton of hassle to get it or my or give my personal data to some company that I have no clear way of knowing what they're going to be doing with my data. So this is pretty cool to see this going open source. So And this software actually sounds pretty great. Uh, I wish I had known about it sooner as well with the local data and encryption, but still, it's cool to see that it's going open source, and hopefully there will be a community interest in joining this project to improve it for others. I would say to the developer that you can do open source and commercial at the same time. There are many models that make that work, so hopefully at some point you might consider that because I do think that there is a lot, so many viable ways to do that. We talked about that on an episode of Destination Linux and also was covered on the Pseudo Show. I'll have links in the show notes for that if you'd like to learn more. And also, if you'd like to check out the actual personal financing app, then check the links in the show notes. OMG Ubuntu is reporting that GNOME has solved an interesting issue for some users, which should be landing in the next release with GNOME 43. This problem is the laptop barking problem. Now, your first reaction to this news might be, what? GNOME barks at you? And the answer to that is, well, yes. Yes, it can. Inside of the sound options in the system settings, there are multiple choices for sounds of the alert sound. The drip, glass, sonar, and of course, the bark sound. Recently, a user reported a bug where the bark sound was selected without their knowing, and any time they ran into an alert of sorts, their laptop would bark at them rather than the default, which I think is the drip sound. As the user was tippy-tapping a letter to a friend, the system would occasionally bark. This is, of course, you know, could be a rough and, dare I say, pawful experience to have your computer hounding you, but to make matters worse, the user says, and I quote, the problem is even bigger because a few days ago we bought a, we bought a dog and we tried to get it socialized and help it learn. It is afraid of all kinds of things, and in particularly strange sounds, and now even the laptop is barking. So to solve this, Gnome has decided, has decided to end this reign of terrier by letting the dogs out and removing the sound entirely from the options in the settings. I hope the user forgives Gnome for this unfortunate situation. But what do you think of this story? Do you think this is a positive outcome to this Mastiff problem? Let me know what you think in the comments below. You're welcome. And for those who hate puns, well, all I can say is that topic might be, in your opinion, Woof. Twitter Inc. has announced that it has entered into a definitive agreement to be acquired by an entity wholly owned by Elon Musk for $54.20 or $54.20 per share in cash and a transaction valued at approximately $44 billion. Upon completion of the transaction, Twitter would become a privately held company. And I don't really have an opinion on whether this is a good thing for Twitter or not because we have yet to see what will change with Twitter other than becoming a private company. What I can say is that, just so you know, we're on Mastodon as well. The Tux Digital community and shows are on Mastodon for those who would like an alternative to Twitter. If this does have a problem, a problem for you in terms of the changes to Twitter, 
So be sure to subscribe to our stuff on Mastodon. In fact, I'm working on TuxDigital.com to make it easier to find all the social media accounts for all shows and creators on the network. So add TuxDigital.com to your bookmarks for updates. You can currently go to the pages for each show to get links right now, and also the creator pages will be up very soon. There might even be some more pages coming up with a variety of different stuff, so be sure to bookmark this, the new website of TuxDigital.com. I've got a lot of plans for the new TuxDigital.com, so be sure to check it out. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you like what I do here on this show, please like that smash button and be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to support the show and the channel, we have multiple ways to contribute via Patreon, sponsors, and others. You can become a patron by going to tuxdigital.com contribute and clicking on the This Week in Linux Patreon or sponsors links. And if you do become a patron, then you can join me during the live stream in the recording stadium to discuss stuff between topics and just hang out every week after the show. You can also support the show by ordering the Linux Everywhere t-shirt or the This Week in Linux shirt at the Tux Digital store. Plus, while you're there, check out all the other great stuff. We have hats, mugs, hoodies, stickers, and so much more. So go to TuxDigital.com to learn more. And if you'd like some more podcasting goodness from me, then check out the latest episode of Destination Linux and Hardware Addicts because I'm a co-host of both of those shows on the Tux Digital Network. And just a reminder, this show is live every Saturday at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time or 1700 UTC. So join us in the live chat room to discuss all the latest Linux news each and every week by going to tuxdigital.com slash live. Thanks again for watching. I'm Michael Tunnell with the Tux Digital Network, and I'll see you next week for another episode of your weekly source for Linux. Good news. <laughs>